Hello, everyone. Thanks for giving us your time today. This is VR Download, and I'm Ian Hamilton in New York, broadcasting today with David Heaney in London. To our new viewers, David built this studio for us to meet each week and discuss the next steps of personal computing in live discussion with our global audience. I'm using a Quest 3 right now. I just noticed I've got I've got Spock fingers on the Quest 3 that I don't have when I uh, use the Quest Pro, which is what I usually use. And uh, that's, you know, I this is fake eye tracking and face tracking, which I typically have week in and week out. David, what do we have today? So we're going to talk about three things today. Some of them are group topics, but three main topics. First, we're going to talk about the version 60 update for Quest and the multiple improvements it brings, as well as the one big step back that it brings. The next topic we'll talk about is HTC's Vive Ultimate Trackers and the release of VR Chat for Vive XR Elite, which supports them with body tracking and obviously the coming support for PC as well. And finally, our third topic that we will talk about is Valve releasing the official Steam Link app for Quest that allows PC VR streaming directly to Steam VR just as Quest 3 is starting to take off on Steam. So three topics there, V60, Vive Ultimate Trackers, and Steam Link. And obviously we will get into a lot of other things because no one can contain us. Our discussion goes everywhere. We will try not to bore our regular viewers with rehashing the exact same things we cover every week, but also we're going to rehash the same things we cover every single week. Hello to our audience. I see Annie Cleric, Anti-Cleric out there, Quentin M, King Jellofish, Laggy, Funky, Aaron, Ryan, Artful, thank you all for tuning in. Let us know if you're watching from a different country, from an unusual location. Let's get into that Quest V60 software update. I have a Quest Pro sitting on my desk right in front of me, David, because uh, when I got it turned on today, I noticed I didn't have the Quest V60 update. And I don't want to experience the Quest Pro without the V60 update. So it's updating right now. Why would that be, David? Yeah, so just before we start, I think you're a little far forward if you can kind of move back there a little bit or just recenter if you don't have a movable chair. You're just a little bit on the screen, nothing nothing major. But yeah, so as with all Quest system software updates, you're not going to get it immediately. Meta, like many Silicon Valley companies these days, rolls out their software updates. So you'll just randomly get it in the next few days or even sometimes a week or more it can take for it to get on to your headset. But let's talk about what's changed in this update because there are quite a lot of small things. It's, I wouldn't say there's anything dramatically major, but it's a lot of small things. And as we mentioned at the start, there is also one removal, a step back. So the first thing they've changed is they have an improved boundary recall system that uses cloud computing capabilities to remember more boundaries. So if you're someone that doesn't always play VR in the same room, maybe you play it in your living room and sometimes your kitchen and sometimes your bedroom, and you find that the headset doesn't always remember your boundary, if you enable the share point cloud data setting in the privacy settings of your headset, Meta will then use its servers, its own servers to process the point cloud data and figure out when you are in an area that you already have a boundary. So that should be uh, very helpful for people who do use VR in multiple rooms. I find in general that Quest 3 seems to remember my boundary every single time. I've never had an issue with that. But then again, I don't play in five or six different rooms. I really only play in two different places. So that should be useful. Another change is that they now have pass through during app loading. So instead of when you're 
say you're in pass-through on Quest 3 and you launch a mixed reality app, instead of instantly everything cutting to blackness, you're going to actually still see pass-through. Now, what this won't change is that once you get into the application itself, at least in Unity, the splash screen will still be black. So what we're talking about here on screen, if you're watching today rather than listening, is this middle section in V60 is going from darkness to pass-through. But this third part is on the engine side and Unity actually has an open proposal to change this. And if you're a developer, you can vote for it. So if you go to Unity's AR VR roadmap and look for Quest, Pass-Through and Splash Screen, you can vote to change this third part from blackness to pass-through. But again, Meta is only in control of this part here, which is changing in V60. The next change, as Ian alluded to, is for Quest Pro specifically. So you may be aware that when Quest headsets have pass-through enabled, so when you can see the real world, they actually downclock, well not downclock, they reduce the maximum CPU and GPU frequency that the system will peak at. And the reason they do that is very likely because the increased thermal and energy requirements of the DSP processing all of these cameras in real time to give you that depth correct view of the real world means that they can't dedicate as much thermal and energy to the CPU and GPU. So what Meta is changing is that on Quest Pro in the V60 update, that reduction will be less. And so compared to when Quest Pro launched in mixed reality apps, you should now see up to 34% higher CPU performance and up to 19% higher GPU performance. But keep in mind, this is only for mixed reality apps. This is only for apps where you're seeing pass-through as well as virtual objects. But that should make pass-through a little bit less stuttery on Quest Pro. And obviously, Quest Pro didn't sell a huge number of units, but some developers are still using it at the very least to test, for example, shared space uh, mixed reality. It's off, it's been used essentially as a mixed reality dev kit for the past year. So for the owners of Quest Pro and developers, that's going to be a nice change. The next change is that Horizon World's destinations will now show up in your Quest library. And this uh, is, is, I guess, a controversial one in that there will now be a tab of your Quest library other, there'll be apps and then there'll be worlds. And those worlds are direct links into Horizon Worlds destinations. And this is something we've talked about on this show before, where Meta is gradually merging Horizon Worlds into the Quest system software experience that the line between the two is getting blurrier and blurrier. And yeah, this is something that if you don't like Horizon Worlds and you don't want to use it, this is going to be a bit frustrating. Uh, if you're someone who does use Horizon Worlds or you're interested in it, this is just going to reduce the friction in getting into Worlds because instead of loading all the way into the app and using its interface to browse, you'll have this directly in the Quest system library. The other change is there are three new home environments for you to, uh, for you to use. And one of them, which is called Lakeside View, seems to have higher graphical fidelity than almost anything we've seen before in a Quest home environment. And many people have said, and we agree that it does seem to be inspired by Apple Vision Pro's home environments. This is a very low quality image because it comes from a GIF, which is the only thing Meta showed. But you can assume that if you take away the horrible GIF compression here, it's going to look a lot better just on the visual realism perspective. Other changes include there's a layout app now built into Quest that allows you to measure real world objects and also place uh 
sort of rectangles of arbitrary shapes. So for example, arbitrary size. So Meta says, for example, you could use this to see what size a 77 inch TV would look like on your wall, or you can use it to measure furniture. Uh, this could be one of those things that's genuinely useful and probably comes from a lot of the criticism Meta has received for Quest not having enough first party features of all of these, all of the important functionality being buried in third party applications. The other changes are minor. Cloud backup end-to-end encryption. You can now end-to-end encrypt your save data. Is that Meta? Sorry, I'm sorry. Is that Meta's first useful feature? Uh, in terms of utility, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's a. It depends what you define. Uh, I'm, you I'm just saying. You know, see if that was unfair. Let me, let me know if that was unfair in the comments. But like this many years in, that's you're you're exactly right. But I just need to take a pause and say we're that many years in, and it feels like that's the first genuinely useful feature we've gotten out of a VR headset from Meta. Yeah, that's useful in the context of, you know, you wouldn't rather do it on another device. Like, yes, there are measuring apps on your phone, but I'd argue it actually is a lot more intuitive to just be inside a headset and point with your controllers and and shape out things rather than trying to kind of awkwardly point your phone viewfinder around. You have this obviously inherent sense of 3D that you don't get on a phone. So yeah, this is probably the first built-in useful feature that is not a entertainment or gaming use case that is something you can do with your headset uh commenters pointing out you know it's like in a, like your calculator or notes oh, app a calculator we should give that idea to meta they 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 could add a cap no i'm just i'm being so facetious about this that like why haven't we had these things for years is right like it's just it's absurd that like that we we should have a calculator like i know i know it's like i don't want to pull up my phone for the calculator it should be like a little rolodex of widgets that i i should yeah. be able to access i mean i'd argue you could do that in a web browser you know you just open a web browser tab and type it and you know google has a calculator built in I, how many people use the calculator on their computer rather than by their computer i mean you know their laptop their windows not Mac. when i'm taking my headset off that's what i'm getting at right like it's it's well, you don't have to I'm you not... just open a web browser and quest web browser and type <sighs> You know, you can even bring the web browser up inside an app. Right now, I can bring up the web browser and do calculations. But yeah, I, under, I understand. I guess having those apps wouldn't be a bad thing. But yeah, let's just talk about those last few features in V60. End-to-end encryption for your save games. If you really, really don't want Meta to be able to access your saves, you can put an end-to-end encryption pin, and then even Meta can't see your save data. Uh Mutual apps on profiles. You open up people's profiles and you see mutual apps. That seems very minor. And um, but let's let's talk about what they removed, and that's phone notifications. So V60 removes the feature that lets you see your phone notifications in Quest. Meta did not give an explanation for why this is the case, but I guess perhaps it could be because they would argue that you should be doing that by double tapping the side of your Quest Three and using pass through. Although I don't know how comfortable that really is. Yeah, uh, I like my I like my jokey headline that I suggested for David uh, in response to that feature was that um, Meta removed the feature that never worked right. Anyways, that's that was my experience with the phone notifications. Um, and I wanted to talk about a couple. There's a comment from John up higher that I wanted to mention. Uh, where is it? I'd love to see Meta provide an option to load a stored boundary by scanning a QR code. Of a venue, I think that's a really interesting idea. Um, so I just wanted to call that out. And then there was uh, Aaron joking that we could have a calendar app in VR. That would be uh, mind bending. Uh, and then I wanted to talk about the 
comment from Arlen here. Why don't we, why don't our headsets work as voice over internet protocol phones natively? Fantastic question we've been asking for years on this show. And it's, it's actually mind boggling that they, that they aren't there yet, that they, that they don't do that yet. We are on the cusp of the Apple Vision Pro launching next year, which should have FaceTime built into it exactly as any other modern Apple product. So um, Quest headsets do have Messenger and WhatsApp built in, uh, but in terms of like native VoIP, I don't get really what you mean by that. Does your does your phone, or sorry, does your laptop, does your tablet? It's unless you yeah, have my actual... my laptop rings at the same time that my tablet and my phone ring. My VR headset should ring at the same time as well. I'm pretty sure it can with Messenger and WhatsApp. It, yeah. It... I, so what what Arlen's pointing out? You're, you're right. Arlen is asking a wonderful question, and in the middle here is. Where is the system level functionality for doing that, right? For your headset to be sitting on a dock and you go and answer it as a phone call, right? That's, I think. I just, why would you want to answer a phone call in your VR headset? Why would you want to do that? I just don't understand. I would like it, I would like it to announce the caller to me. And I, if, if I don't have so any you're other device, pick up maybe. Your headset and just sit there and stare at a, you know, call screen that's showing who you're calling instead of just. David Heaney would like phone? to play Beat Saber with you right now. No thanks, Meta. Simple as that. Well, that's that is you can already do that. That's a party invite. That's not a that is something you can already do. But I do. want it to call out while it's sitting over there on the stand to me. Interesting. Okay. You want it? I think it might make a ding. I'm pretty sure I do hear a ding, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I get a more kind of uh, ringing system. I don't think that requires phone calls, though. That's just a party chat thing where you're integrating. I just, I just never understand this idea of why you would want to take a regular phone call that isn't a VR hangout in a VR headset. It just seems like such a, it doesn't it's, add it, anything. Well, no, I get, well, all right. So yes, you're right on that, but it's more of like one of these things where, uh, am I going to wear my AirPods? I'm not going to hold my phone while I go into the VR headset, right? I'm going to put the phone down and have it speakering at me. It would be pretty ideal if I could transfer that call live to my head and to my headset. And we have apps for that is what we're all pointing out. But like the advantage and that question is pointing out Apple is going to already like have some of this capability right out of the box and Meta's building it. Yeah, I guess that is a good question is why is Meta completely removing the phone integration? Is there something coming to replace it in the future? Is this one of those situations where Facebook live streaming was removed a few years ago and then they just re-added it a few months ago? Is this literally, it could just be one of those things where the technology that underlies it was built by someone who left the company a few years ago and no one has bothered to update it because there's no internal performance incentive to actually go and fix existing things. So someone's building a new entire phone integration that's going to replace it. It could just be that. But again, I think this is one of those um, Europe vs. America things because I understand that in America people use like SMS and iMessage and phone calls, but if you go anywhere else in the world, it's all WhatsApp. You cannot find someone who would say, even by message me or text me, they mean WhatsApp. So on a global scale, it already has WhatsApp. You know, the WhatsApp app is built into Quest. You get notifications pop up if you don't have Do Not Disturb on. If someone with, messaged with, me on WhatsApp now, if I didn't have Do Not Disturb, I would see it floating in front of me. Yeah, yeah. So I totally get that. makes a lot of sense. And that is ultimately why facebook bought that company right like they they planned ahead on that coming years ago i'm appreciating these comments talking about all the times like no one even answers voice calls over the the traditional network anymore because they're all spam likely and i think it's i think it's worth taking a moment to to hang on that given the rise of 
intelligent-seeming agents that can communicate and have entire conversations with you without you realizing that they're an agent, that they're that they're a completely constructed uh, language learning model. Um, as I've noticed this this tendency on on all like all of our software is having to get smarter and smarter, or another way of writing it or, or say, talking about it is that the software is holding our hands more and more and more in trying to stop us from getting those spam likely calls, right? It says spam likely because people were answering all those calls. Now nobody's even answering the calls and it's, it's, it's degrading this existing network. But what, what does it leave in its place? We have a fractured situation on the internet right now where like, some people are on some networks, some people are on other networks, and there is a real struggle now for one interconnected address book of the future to work, and we don't know what that looks like. I mean, I, I guess I would still argue in America this is a problem. In, in the rest of the world, I have literally, I'm not exaggerating, never met someone who doesn't have WhatsApp. Any, there is not a single person I've met in the entirety of Europe or outside other than the United States that doesn't have WhatsApp. It ready stop, outside America. Stop WhatsApp, making me feel bad for being American. Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when it comes to things like uh, other <laughs> functionality, I think as long as Meta lets you take a website site and make them into apps in the same way you can now do on Mac and the same way you can do on Chrome and the same way that you can do on Windows, you can turn any website into a progressive web app. That's going to solve a lot of these issues because any service that's available on the web, which includes FaceTime now, I believe, can then just be used and what needs to happen to make this obviously extremely useful in the long term is that you need to be able to keep the browser up while in another app you know that that's something that's obviously just a performance issue today and, a, and a, maybe an os architecture thing but you can already bring up a browser in an app like i could bring up the quest browser right now and be using it and you wouldn't even know but if i want to go back into this app and interact with the vr app i need to then minimize the browser whereas the only step they need to change to give you true multitasking in a quest is just let you keep that browser window up. I, uh, I still haven't, the, the multitasking situation is such a moving target, right? Like they add a little bit and it's so hard to get what we want out of it. I, when David describes multitasking, every time it's like, is it, is it finally here? Can we do the thing we want? And he's, he's describing being here and interacting with another app. And then as soon as he wants to interact with this app, it being a problem. And like, that's actually an interesting solution, right? Where, where, where would it, is there a, could we go and do a whole bunch of research in the browser window, but still be broadcasting live to our audience for a few minutes? And then the moment we need to interact with the menu system is the only time that they actually need to know that. Is that how it works right now? Yeah, I mean, let me just bring up a browser right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm in the browser right now. I am, you, you can no longer see my hands because the app no longer gets input. My, my avatar is, dropped its hands down to its sides. But from my perspective, I am currently Googling something. I can go into Wikipedia. I can browse around that I'm currently doing. And you don't know. So the, the only difference that they would yeah. need to make is that they would need to have a pin button so that the, the browser stays open while I'm still in the app. Obviously, that introduces some usability issues in that what if tapping on a browser window is also tapping on an object within the app? That probably would require some kind of API. But, you know, it's a, it's a very exciting idea. Apple solves this by having this kind of shared space system in Vision OS where apps don't even get raw hand tracking data. They only get events from the hand tracking if they want to live in the shared space. So that's something you can do on Vision Pro. 
with a lot of limitations. It's just one of those things that Meta is going to have to think a lot about what they want their app architecture to be. Now, let me minimize the browser and come straight back in, and you can see my hands appear again. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's it's so funny because, yeah, he, he just demonstrated it works perfectly, except he looks really ridiculous while doing it because of the hand situation. So it's not usable in our particular use case unless you want to, like, look really awkward whenever you need to go research something live on the show. I do want to ask people to share this link out to others, put out tweets, uh, posts out there, get people in here. We want to get people into the final portions of this discussion. And if you have any newbies in VR, please let them know about our show, about what we do. We're going to try to cover some of the big things uh, as we move towards the end of the year, like our best of lists. Uh, We're updating them uh, as we speak and making sure that we really uh, bring everyone all the latest, greatest things happening in VR. So really appreciate everyone tuning in, but get a, get more people in here and uh, get them into this supportive atmosphere of like answering questions because I know those questions are nonstop. So let's talk about the five ultimate trackers. Yeah, just before that, I'm just going to bring up a, a comment from Simon Wetzel who points out that a, a good solution to this or a midpoint would just be able to keep the browser up and not have an interactable. Even if I could just keep you know, that Wikipedia page or that article floating beside me and then if I want to interact with it again, I open up the menu, that would be great. It sounds like it's something that probably will happen in a Quest software update and sometime in the next few years. It's just about when Meta decides to do that. I think Andrew Bosworth, the CTO of Meta, brought up the fact that there are performance questions around that. But as long as apps are using dynamic resolution, as Meta tells all apps to now use, that should be something where they can just downclock the resolution. But yes, let's talk about Vive Ultimate Trackers. So yeah, I think I tried out an early version of this at the beginning of the year at CES, and uh, ultimately, I I don't think I got around to writing about it, and I feel awful about that. But it was the first time I at least talked about it on the show. Uh, first time in my recollection that I can recall kicking a soccer ball in VR, and that was a pretty cool idea to to finally be able to do that. But this comes with some very serious pricing considerations. David, you follow the cost of what it actually takes to put a full body into VR closer than almost anyone I've I've heard of. I think you probably know the numbers of how much it costs to put a full body in VR better than anyone. Why don't you run through those numbers and explain what the how the Vive Tracker? Yeah, so first I want to push back on this term of full body tracking. I know this is what people call it, especially in VR chat, but let's be clear, none of these strap trackers to your body are anywhere near close to full body tracking. The human body has a lot more degrees of freedom than this. So let's just call it body tracking for now. But yeah, if you you use Vive trackers, you'll know that you want at least three strapped to your body, so on your torso and on each leg, plus, of course, your headset and controllers. And people who want the best, you know, have sometimes five, sometimes six, sometimes even seven or eight trackers. With Vive Tracker Ultimate, let's be clear about what exactly this is for anyone that's not actually caught up. These are trackers where instead of having to use base stations, you no longer need base stations because it has these two cameras built in and an onboard chipset of the same kind you might find in a touch pro controller or a low-end android phone and it does its own inside out tracking in the same way the headset does so each tracker is fully independently tracking itself and then sending back its coordinates over uh, a bluetooth like protocol to the 
dongle. Now, for those three trackers minimum you want for body tracking, HTC will sell you a bundle for $600. And that includes the $40 dongle and the three of the trackers, which are normally sold at $200 each. Until the end of this year, they also have a discount on where they will include the straps needed to attach the trackers to your body, which are normally $50 on their own. So you can see this kind of full bundle here. If you're watching with us, you can see the three ultimate trackers with the straps for your legs, for your torso, and this dongle. And this little dongle goes into currently the Vive XR Elite standalone headset from HTC. In the future, in the coming weeks, they plan to let you plug this into your PC so you can use it with any headset on Steam VR. But keep in mind that will require a uh, alignment process because you have these completely different headsets using completely different uh, tracking systems. If you use this with Vive XR Elite, it just works out of the box. And as I said in the introduction, HTC has just secured VR chat to launch on the Vive XR Elite standalone store. So if you don't have a PC, you can just boot up VR chat. And if you have these things connected via this little dongle into your headset, you will have body tracking out of the box. For PC, it's obviously a little bit more involved, but that should be coming in the coming weeks. And I've heard from people who have tried this so far that the tracking quality is excellent. And again, this is anecdotal, but the few people I've heard from so far say they actually prefer this to the base station tracking, but you don't get those drift issues that happen with occlusion. A lot of people love base station tracking for certain reasons, but unless you have four of them, which is obviously $600 on its own, you're going to often run into issues with occlusion and they do not handle it well. They, they shoot off into space. I'm sure you've seen it in VR chat before where somebody kind of glitches out. I think other than the pricing, this essentially kills traditional lighthouse tracking for full body tracking. This shows that we are now in an era where this is simply no longer necessary. Obviously, that's it is more expensive. The traditional trackers are $130 each and they've been on sale at $100 each. But if you just remove that slight cost difference and you factor in the fact that if you don't have base stations, it's $300 extra, this is the future of arbitrary object and body tracking. So, John, I wanted to point out, I think I saw uh, John's comment here. Been a member 45 months of our YouTube channel. That's incredible. Thank you. That's that's an incredible period of time to, to support our work. And I uh, just want to say thank you. And then there's this question here asking us to talk about Slime VR. Um, I'm, I'm under embargo on something here. So if David has anything to say on on this, I'll, I'll let him add. But I, I will at least talk about the fact that there's going to be a range of solutions. And I think it's really, really interesting that any day now, basically, Meta could drop full body, upper body tracking. And David could critique whether we use the term full body um, for that. But what, what I think is so fascinating when we consider that is if Meta provides the full upper body, and that's the most popular VR headset on the market, Quest 3 becomes the most popular headset on the market. And I would assume any lower cost headset that Meta announces next year will probably have cameras tuned in the same positions. But maybe that's an area that they, they cut corners. I don't know. But if the Quest 3 becomes the most popular headset following in the footsteps of Quest 2, 
then you've got the full upper body provided by Meta. And then it's a question of how do you attract the lower body and what's the most cost-effective way to do that. And I think we're going to be looking through 2024 at a number of those types of options. Yeah, that's a fascinating thing to think about for, for anyone that's not aware, as Ian saying, Quest 3 is supposed to be getting inside-out upper body tracking sometime in the next month or so, which means no extra trackers, no extra accessories, purely software with those downwards-facing cameras. You get you know, your elbows, your shoulders, your torso. If that happens, then all you need for f- full body tracking in the current way that it's understood would be two of these, or perhaps even... IMU trackers. So let's talk about that because we're at, we're, we've been asked about Slime VR. Uh, Arlen Kundert is asking, are these Vive trackers IMU tracking? So let's talk about that. So no, these Vive trackers, both the previous base station ones and these ultimate trackers are true six degree of freedom tracking. Even if these were not attached to a body, they would give you exact 3D coordinates of where they are in space, just like a touch pro controller and just like a vr headset itself these things track themselves in the same way that your headset does if you're using an inside out tracked headset which almost all of you probably are these days what slime vr is and what sony's mocopy is are imu tracking so what, what do we mean by that that means that each unit does not have Sick, true six degree of freedom tracking. They do not have either lighthouse photodiodes, nor do they have cameras for inside out tracking. They only have an accelerometer and gyroscope. And because each unit knows which part of your body they're placed on, they fuse this accelerometer and gyroscope data with a skeletal estimation model. And you get what is a kind of midpoint between body estimation without trackers and true tracking like this. And it can work well for a, a lot of movements, but there are still some movements where there are ambiguous cases, i.e. there are multiple positions your body could be in given each set of accelerometer and gyroscope data. So on the grand scheme of things, you're going to get pretty good tracking with something like Slime VR or Mocopy, but you will not get the exact precision you get with Vive trackers. And where this will show is more in slower, subtle movements, because if you're doing something like dancing, where you're moving around in a kind of almost, uh, you know, pre-orchestrated pattern, those slime trackers and Mocopy are going to actually handle that really, really well. But if you're doing something like kind of say you stick your leg out like this and move it very slowly in a certain pattern, that's something where you're going to want six degree of freedom tracking. But yeah, um, you do have this kind of spectrum of solutions now where you have estimation, you know, inverse kinematics and some of the AI solutions coming out. Then you have IMU trackers like Slime and Mocopy. And then at the very high end, you have Vive trackers. And to talk about cost, remember I said this kit here is $600. Well, Sony's Mocopy that will let you do body tracking on Quest standalone is $450. So you see that you get $150 lower price but you sacrifice true six degree of freedom tracking and you're relying on IMUs and a body estimation model together. Now, there was an interesting question here I want to address from Arlen again. Can the Quest Pro controller cameras be employed to track legs combined with artificial intelligence estimations? We've considered that question in the past multiple times in the show, and it's a very hard thing. It's not a question of can they so much. Um, the cameras aren't pointed in the right directions in, in some cases to begin with. We've talked about the idea of you putting them on a, on a, on a stand and they point at the space. That's a cool idea to think about 
too. Um, the problem is it's not in Meta's best interest to pursue a product like that. that, that you, there's no reason for them to go and build a strap for the Quest Pro controllers so you can strap the Quest Pro controllers to your feet and have full body tracking. It makes sense for them to go this route where they force accessory makers, or maybe Meta does bridge his own accessory, to cover, you know, put trackers on the bottom half of the body and you can have additional games. Now, I need to just talk about dancing, right? Feet. If you can actually have the trackers accurate tracking in sixth off of the location of both of your feet, you you have a mode of play where it's like it's the same as um, putting on a pair of tap shoes or any 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 type of occupation where you've got to put on a special pair of shoes. Um, that's the same amount of time to put on the strap on your feet to track your foot location. And I think when the fact that we've seen VR fitness take off, despite only tracking your upper body, and I know Blair, uh, anti-cleric, is in our um, comments with some criticism of VR fitness, it is taking off, and people are using VR fitness in very big ways. And I think it's silly to think that people aren't going to learn to dance in VR when you've got like people are already using VR chat to learn to dance right now using full body trackers made by Vive currently and it's only going to become a much 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 bigger use case if you can just reduce it to just what a tracker you put on each foot and you just snap it on and you're good to go that's we've been dreaming of that for too many years that it's like it doesn't seem like it's ever going to get here yeah, that is the potential once Quest 3 gets inside out upper body tracking in that, you know, you'd either need just two of these. And HTC has said that at some point in the future, they intend to support Quest with this. So, sorry, their exact words were other standalone headsets, which I can only assume would include Quest. Uh, but yeah, if Meta released a software update for Quest 3 that let you pair the native Touch Plus controllers and the Touch Pro controllers, and developers were able to then access those pro controllers as just separate tracked objects overnight you could then have once inside out upper body tracking ships you could then overnight have upper body tra- or you could full body tracking on quest for the 300 cost of those controllers and you would just strap them to your feet indeed that's actually you know they i'm sure an accessory maker would build the straps meta wouldn't have to bother to do that all they have to do is let you pair two sets of controllers at once that's a pretty minor uh, I, I- I want it, from right? I, I, yeah, I need it, right? I've, I've had this situation where my Quest... <laughs> I've used my Quest Pro now for for weeks with no controllers because the left-hand controller won't pair with my headset. And like, okay, well, I, I like the face and eye tracking on it, but it would actually be really nice to have the Quest Pro controllers paired with my Quest 3. And I suppose I could do that but then it doesn't work with the dock, right? So I need two. I need both. I need both sets of docks to charge up the the, the pro controllers over here, and it's it's a it's just a pain. I don't know. So when you buy the pro controllers separately, you do kind of get this mini dock thing that's just for the controllers. I don't know if I would call it so much as a dock as a charger, but you would just have that sitting alongside. I do get that that's a, a little bit more awkward than the official solution. Uh, Dan Dari Amerson is asking, don't the Vive Ultimate trackers also work with Vive Focus 3? Yes, they do. To be clear, for brevity, I was saying Vive XR Elite because 
Vifocus 3 is only sold to businesses, whereas VivexR Elite is a consumer headset too. But yeah, for, for businesses, it works on both of HTC's current standalone headsets, VivexR Elite for consumers and businesses, and Vifocus 3 for businesses. And yeah, Geminosity is pointing out the Quest Pro comes with the charger too. Actually, no, it's oh, is it maybe maybe it's talking about the cord because there is the wired way of doing it. But the the charging docks are different. The, if you buy a Quest Pro, you get a big dock that covers both controllers and headset. If you go buy the controllers on the own on their own, you just get a, a little stand for the controllers on their own. Yeah, um, when it comes to the idea of the controllers themselves tracking your legs, obviously, as Ian pointed out, the cameras are facing the wrong way, but. Quest Pro 2 is expected, based on supply chain rumors, to launch in around 2025. And if they have a, a new upgraded Touch Pro controllers, all they would need theoretically is a camera on the base of the handle, which is something we've seen in research before. Uh, there is an IR LED on the base of the handle of Touch Plus. So they're obviously exploring putting you know electronics down there. If they could get a camera down there in the next iteration of Touch Pro controllers, I could very easily see that being a completely, you know, inside out body tracking solution where you no longer need any extra strapped hardware or external hardware. It's fascinating to see. Yeah, that is really, really fascinating to think about where they could go there. There's, I would, that's a very interesting prospect for a Quest Pro 2, isn't it? Right. That could be a, a really compelling package uh, for a lot of people if they if they get it to the right price. Any comments that you want to respond there before we get to the next subject? I wanted to talk about Blair's comment of just, oh, just a couple thousand dollars to learn dancing awkwardly. Yes, fair. Uh, people are doing it and they're enjoying it and they're learning to dance. So I don't know. Well, it would be $900 all in if you needed yeah, a Quest well, so 3 plus two of these. He, he's like referring to the way it is now, and that is the way it is now. And David is pointing out, this is actually opening it up a lot wider. And I think we're pointing out that I think if you get it down a couple hundred dollars cheaper even, you could have games uh, that have a legitimate reason for being. Um, Just Dance, right? Just Dance just got canceled by people. No. Pico said we're done. And then the people who make Just Dance, uh, Ubisoft, uh, found a new partner for making that game. This is a wonderful, wonderful pro. Like, go oh, just, just, I could see Meta just throwing the money at Just Dance and saying, hey, go away for two years and build this for exactly what David just described. So I'm, I think that would be an amazing thing. The last speculation I have here is what if a, company like sony which has its mokopi you can see here uh built a system that was just for your legs and just for quest 3 so what if they actually in software took in the quest 3's inside out upper body tracking and only had you strap things two things to your legs like this and then its own ik estimation model used meta's upper body tracking that could theoretically probably get you to something like Two hundred dollars. If you you know, if this is four hundred and fifty, could only two of these be two hundred dollars? That could be a big moment in uh, the history of body tracking for VR. If you could just get a Quest three for five hundred, a leg tracker for two hundred, and be ready for full body tracking. I think we're in for a lot of innovation in this space in the next few years. Yeah, I I think so too. I think he just more or less described what the product needs to be in order to actually be compelling. And it has to hit a certain price and it has to be a certain level of just snap it on and go. 
And I think we're both saying the same thing. We, we debate this stuff back and forth. I think Dave and I are in the same place on where we're going here. And so there's uh, people that are like hearing us digging our heels in aren't, aren't sort of grasping this level of debate, though, the kind of like if you're a new viewer or whatever, like, or if you've been watching us a long time, we don't disagree a lot. We, we tend to find the same place and common ground and realize, yeah, you know what? You're actually, you're actually probably right over there. And I don't know. I, just, I, th- I think people aren't used to that. It's a little weird. Anyways. Yeah. Um, Artful's shocked here saying uh, Ian, Ian and David agreeing what, what's happening here. They're, they're not going to be able to drink their shots. The drinking game's not going to work today unless you bring up, don't do it. Well, like, yeah, it's just, we'll, we'll go over to PSVR 2 on PC and, right, like, you know, you I'm, play, I want it, but David has to tell me for years it's never going to happen, right? So <laughs> that is that is how our debate happens, right? So anyways. so the, the last thing we'll talk about here, Geminosity is asking something you brought up before. Do we think Quest 3 Lite will be able to do inside-out upper body tracking? I think yes. I think it. if you look at what's happening there, it's not using any of the... Uh, color cameras on the front nor is it using the depth projector it's using those downwards facing side cameras that are essentially the same kind of cameras that you have on a quest 2 there's nothing fundamentally expensive about those and it appears the magic is a combination of those and the snapdragon xr2 gen 2 processors enhanced ai capabilities you know the npu which is four times faster and eight times more power efficient. So if it has that new processor, which is seems to be the whole point of the, the product, and it just has those two downward-facing grayscale fisheye cameras, it should be able to do it. And I think it would be a big mistake for Meta to drop that capability for an arbitrary reason. I'm seeing a couple of interesting comments. Michael asking, wonder why you can't use these on the PSVR 2, talking about the Mokopi. We put that question to Sony multiple times, and it's just not right now is the answer. Um, it's and it is very, uh, it's very telling about Sony's strategy overall that that isn't such an obvious like answer. They've got multiple divisions doing multiple technology threads, and it feels like the left hand didn't talk to the right hand on this one, uh, which is almost a dad joke. And then there was the other comment uh, talking about dialectics versus debate. I appreciate that because one of the reasons I think you tune into our show, or I hope you tune into our show, is we try to tease apart uh, misunderstandings in VR and really put those to rest or at least talk about them uh, in a balanced way, objective way, talk about everything we understand. Uh, we think there's a lot of hype and a lot of misunderstanding out there when you choose a word, stick to your guns on it, and defend it until you die. Um, David and I spend a ton of time debating uh, internally uh, the exact use of words, and it's really important to either of us that we choose our words carefully because we know that everyone in our audience is going to be a VR emissary to hundreds of other people, right? We've got to all uh, start from a, a good understanding of how this technology functions and what things we should be really thinking about. Yeah, so should we talk about that third big topic we're going to talk about, which is Quest 3 starting to surge on the hardware survey and Valve launching Steam Link for VR. Yes, Valve, 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 sitting in the background. Uh, we had some discussion internally about this one. Um, I would like to start here a little bit different. 
Uh, David, how shocked were you? What was your reaction? Do, do we want to cover the hardware survey just before we get into that? Oh, so we can... boo, fine. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Take away my excitement. We'll talk about the hardware survey. Go ahead. What, yeah, we, what's, we want what's to get that out of the way. So we can talk about that for the rest of the show. You know, and we often do this where we, we get the smaller topics out of the way so we can just really dig down into that big topic. But yeah, let's just, we'll just quickly cover this. So on the Steam hardware survey, Quest 3 has gone from 0.15% in October all the way to 5.2% in November. And you can see it is by far, by far the fastest growing headset. That's to be expected. It is already more popular than Pico 4 by, you know, more than double. It is already beyond Windows Mixed Reality, which, you know, means every single Windows Mixed Reality headset combined, including the HB Reverb G2. So it is already the fifth most popular. And if you look at that trajectory, it's pretty clear that it's going to go straight past Vive, uh, the, the only question is how long until it gets beyond Rift S and then will it at some point get beyond Index? We don't know, but you can see that it's really, really started to pick up. And as we talked about before, one of the things that artificially deflated the October data was that virtual desktop wasn't showing up and that Quest Room only launched halfway through October. So it was only getting half a month of data, but it will be fascinating to watch this to see you know, the only real metric I guess we have is the what is the adoption of Quest 3 with the caveat that this is only amongst PC VR gamers. Yeah, it's it's fairly fascinating. This survey is only useful to us uh, a couple times during the year. When this number down at the bottom jumps in a very strange way, uh, number of Steam users with VR headsets, we can look on the chart and see if anything changed to explain why that one bumped. But nearly 2% of Steam VR users indicates what the size of the VR market is for all the VR devs out there, for anti-cleric out there uh, looking to make games um, for PC market, uh, as well as other devices. But that's that's what they have to target, and that's indicating you know everything else follows from that. The type of the size of the game is determined by how many people are at that bottom line. And what's interesting to me is how quickly you pointed out MetaQuest 3 went straight to, what, one, two, three, four, five, fifth on the list in one month where it took Windows Mixed Reality years to just get 5% of where we are here. So these are, in many cases, these people right here, this 5% keeping Windows Mixed Reality alive, which, recall, that's what, HP Reverb G2, some of the highest, that's the Odyssey lines of headsets, some of the highest resolution VR headsets you have in VR were in this multiple generations of Windows Mixed Reality. And so those are people that are keeping these games alive month after month after month, probably playing things like simulators or shooter games. But like, uh, yeah, very serious, nice simulator games would be covered under people playing on this. And Meta made an instantly bigger market in one month just by being $500 and being available in as many countries as Meta makes it available. And I think being wireless, I think a lot of people who are enthusiasts, who are self-selected people who are okay with VR being wired, because if you bought VR before wireless was easily available, you are by definition someone who doesn't care much about wireless. I think they underestimate just how much the wider market cares about wireless. The majority of people, even PC gamers, 
do not want a thick and heavy tether from their headset to their PC. They simply don't want it. If you look at what people respond to, it was AirLink, it's virtual desktop, it's ALVR, and it's now what we'll talk about soon, SteamLink. You know, uh, Valve theoretically could have built SteamLink for USB. I'm sure, uh, theoretically, maybe Geek Odin can tell us in the comments whether that was something he could have ever explored, but it's not what people want. Uh, Ian has just disappeared there, so I think he's probably rejoining on a different headset. In the meantime, uh, we'll show you that statistic down here at the bottom, Steam users with a VR headset over time. And you can see that while there is some fluctuation, it stayed pretty much the same within this roughly 2% zone. And remember that when this goes down, it doesn't necessarily mean that PC VR use is going down because this is a percentage of overall PC gaming use, i.e. how many people are using Steam in general. And if this is going down, it just means that PC VR isn't growing as fast as general PC gaming. The big question for years has been, what is it going to take to actually start moving this needle upwards uh, we'll talk about soon. Maybe it could be Steam Link, Valve kind of officially having a almost frictionless, almost seamless, almost hassle-free method of doing this. It could be that we need a, an affordable Valve headset or just any company, like theoretically Microsoft, that focuses on building a headset that is optimized specifically around PC VR. It could be a content issue. It could be, you know, everyone talks about you know, oh, when I get my quest on PC, I'm going to play Half-Life Alex, a game from 2020. It could just be that we need Valve, we need other big publishers to start building AAA content for PC VR again. That's obviously a very big open question. But uh, one of the interesting things that is the case now that we have Quest 3 at 5% is that standalone headsets now are used more on Steam the native true PC VR headsets. So you can see that in blue here, hybrid standalone headsets, that's headsets that can run standalone but have a PC VR mode are the majority now by a very, very slim fraction, admittedly. But the native PC headsets, the ones that plug into DisplayPort or HDMI, if you've got an older headset, those are now the minority. PC VR is becoming a software mode, not a hardware type. And that's going to feed in to some of the discussion that we'll be having soon about Steam Link, which I'm obviously just waiting for Ian to return to discuss more. But an interesting question here I saw, uh, if I scroll up a bit, was asking, why do we trust the Steam hardware survey figures, especially given that there has been some fluctuations in the past? And that's because we track this stuff you know, very deeply. We have a, a spreadsheet where we we enter all this data every month and we look at it over time and we really try to dig deep into this. And it actually is remarkably consistent over time. The, the few times you get a fluctuation, there's usually a good explanation. And almost every time you see alongside that fluctuation, you see a massive increase in Chinese Steam users. And Valve has explained this in the past is that sometimes uh, certain internet cafes in China start getting counted at a certain high rate or there's other sort of issues that one month causes a bunch of Chinese users to flood into the, the Western version of Steam. And so that's something that usually gets corrected. It usually then the next month that, that blips out. And so you do actually get quite a consistency over time. But yeah, welcome back, Ian. We were just uh, pointing out the... Uh, we're looking at this graph and seeing how consistent it is over time. And then we also were looking at the fact that standalone headsets now outnumber... PC headsets. 
Yeah, so I just switched over back to my Quest Pro here, and uh, my headset did a full hard reset. It, it was it was completely crashed in front. Of me. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm now having I now have my face and eye tracking and V60. So uh, the full circle to the beginning of our discussion. Um, I always love this chart. Are we ready to talk about the exciting thing that I really want to get into here? Yeah, let's let's talk about it. The the shackles are off. Let's talk about <laughs> the official release of Steam Link for Quest. Notice, notice I asked David Heaney how he feels, and he immediately deflected. All right, David, how did you feel when you heard that Steam Link was hitting the Quest Store? Well, I mean, initially it was is pretty shocking that the fact that given the long history of historically intense competition between Meta and Valve, the fact that uh, I opened up the Quest store to see an official app from Valve where you scroll down almost in disbelief thinking, did someone port this? Did this somehow get through Meta's checks without being from the right developer? But no, it's listed as Valve. You go to, you know, we have that press release from Valve. Valve's officially talking about this. That is a pretty uh, groundbreaking moment in the history of the VR industry. And it opens up a lot of questions. So, you know, as Ian can give his thoughts on this, but my main trend here is going to be this either signals one or two things. And these are very, very different possibilities. Either this signals that a Valve headset is very far off and that they see no special reason that this can't just be a software feature for existing standalone headsets, or it signals that a Valve headset is quite near and that this is technology that's going to be foundational to it and they want to test it at scale with other headsets too. Yeah, it's remarkable how this reshaped the market almost instantaneously. It marks a new era for Valve and it happens right at the cusp of a new year as all of these other things come into place. We can assume or hope, I, I suppose, it's, it's, it's fair to think that Steam Link will probably come to Apple Vision Pro. I think we would need to hear Valve or Apple say otherwise at this point to, to convince us that that's not going to happen. And then, of course, people started talking about whether it could ever even make it onto Sony's platform, which would be fascinating as well, going full circle to some of our discussions. So I'd, I'd push back on the idea that the VR version is inevitable for Vision Pro. I think the traditional version where you you know, the Steam Link app, to be clear, if anyone's not aware, is also available on Android TV and Apple TV and iOS and iPad OS and Android phones. This is an existing app. The, the new thing here for Quest is that it supports VR where it connects to Steam VR. I'd say we could see the traditional version come to Apple Vision Pro where you have this vision of, you know, you have a large virtual screen in front of you and you're playing with a gamepad, your traditional Steam games. But the problem with bringing the VR version is that the vast majority of Steam VR content requires tracked controllers. And as you know, people, if you've been waiting for the debate between me and Ian, Apple Vision Pro does not have track controllers. It will not support track controllers. Valve is not <laughs> going to, you know, it, people have been asking, some people have been asking for this Steam Link for Quest app to support hand tracking so that they can use, you know, without even having their controllers, they can use this to play games that don't use track controllers as their primary input for, you know, mainly simulators and such, or even to pass through hand tracking to VR chat. Whether Valve does that will signal to me whether Vision Pro is going to get this. That'll be the thing to look at. But there's a comment here of someone saying that they're very surprised that Meta would let another store on to Quest. And 
the answer is that they actually didn't. Just like on Apple devices, when you use Steam Link on Quest, you actually can't purchase Steam Store uh, products. You can't purchase games and apps from Steam through this. You have to do that on your PC. This only lets you browse your library on your PC and play those games. You can't actually access the Steam Store. And again, that's the exact same on Apple's devices because the App Store also prevents you using alternative app stores through an app. So that's probably how this came to be. That's the one strategic reason that Valve may want to ship their own headset, but it doesn't seem like a deal breaker to me. It doesn't seem like a massive issue because if you're a PC gamer using this for to play PC VR games, you're going to use Steam on your PC anyway. You'll just, rather than using the headset to purchase content, you just purchase it with your mouse and keyboard on your PC. And then once it's installed and ready to go, you walk over, pick up your headset, and play it in VR. But that is actually a very important point to note. I'm going to have a look at the comments here. Little Scampi says, I can buy Steam games on my iPhone. You can only not sell games you can play on the Apple device. Uh, I, I'm i not sure that's correct. When I Last time, I maybe they changed it, but last time I tried, you can't purchase through the Steam Link app. To be clear, I'm not talking about the Steam app, which is a separate app. I'm talking about the Steam Link app where it streams the uh, Steam experience to your phone. But maybe that's changed uh, in recent times. Uh, Little Scampi also pointed out that since Steam Link runs on iPad, aren't 2D games pretty much confirmed for Vision Pro already? Since, as Apple has said, the vast majority of iPad apps will run on Vision Pro. That's a great point. And the answer is probably yes, unless for some bizarre reason, that's in the tiny percentage of apps that don't. That is a great point. Steam Link traditional version for 2D regular gaming should be available on Vision Pro from potentially day one. Yeah, so regarding the the track controller situation, I'm the debate back and forth and David's nonstop convincing uh, of me. I think historically what's interesting to consider there is that Meta pushed out uh, an update for Quest Pro. They put a lot of their software people behind what Horizon workrooms and tracking uh, keyboards. They picked a few keyboards that had like light up keys that they could track first in their location around the space. And they actually use that as a testing ground for like how often do people pick up the keyboard and move it to a new location and how important is it that every little movement of the keyboard is represented in low latency right as you're typing on it. Um, and it's kind of silly in retrospect to think that they didn't go and try to track gamepads first. That they they put all of this oomph and this entire company behind, let's build a... Um, let's build a gaming company in VR and then let's go track keyboards. Like that's not exactly what the gamers were clamoring for. Sure. But you don't really need to track a gamepad if you have mixed reality because you're not going to be playing those games. Well, maybe you're going to play those games in a virtual theater, but I think a lot of people are going to just play those in pass through on a traditional 2d screen. So in vision pro, they don't have to track a gamepad because you're just in pastor in quest we've we, you've seen the xbox cloud streaming that's coming soon that's always been shown in pastor it's it's a interesting novelty the idea of tracking a gamepad but it doesn't really add much if you're talking about a real vr game or you know immersive game that mix, uses mixed reality you're going to want to use those touch controllers on quest and on vision pro developers are going to be building around hand tracking direct hand tracking 
I think I think that's actually moving close to the end of, of where I'm thinking about this. I think what David implied earlier in this segment that this could mean very big things around the corner for Valve. What we spent a, a little bit of a section of the morning in debate uh, was a, a random idea I had that Valve has made some some interesting comments. The leadership of Valve has made some interesting comments. They've made some interesting partnerships with companies like OpenBCI about the future and potential of brain-computer interfaces. And I I'm keep thinking about long-term, what are the benefits of brain-computer interfaces, direct, head-worn, uh, non-invasive cap you wear on the top of your head uh, or as the strap of a VR headset and use that to inform additional experiences in VR. It's There's VR headsets that are already doing this. There was the um, Omnicept edition for the HP Reverb G2, I think. Um, Valve is clearly very interested in this as well. We don't, we're kind of, Steam Link coming to this device, like, it's not a, it's not a U1 necessarily, but also Valve is a small company and it has to choose its battles. So they're still focusing on a lot of Steam Deck hardware. And there's a lot of different things that they could, like, add on to this to maybe make the experience just a little bit better. But far out, brain-computer interfaces and being able to sense the emotions of the people who are playing your game could dramatically change the type of content that's on Steam. And in fact, um, I don't want to overpromise or like confuse things any further, but you could have virtual controllers or you could have this brain-computer interface function in some way as uh, an accessibility aid. And that would bring more people into the Steam ecosystem, which is the overall goal of Steam, like, again and again, that's what they've done. Steam Deck, VR, it's about opening up the customer base even wider. I think a brain-computer interface could actually do that. Now the question is, do they do a brain-computer interface integrated straight into a headset? Do they ignore it? Do they leave it to a partner? And do they just do a new HMD? Do they do no HMDs and just have all the partners keep driving this forward? I think all of those things are on the table right now. I think there's enough in interest from Valve leadership to suggest that uh, brain-computer interfaces are the future of gaming, to, to think that they don't want to be behind Microsoft or Meta integrating those types of features. Yeah, we've we've heard Gabe Newell talk about that in the past. I'm I remain skeptical that that is going to happen in any kind of short term, but it, but it could. Let's to bring the discussion more back to the the short term though. Let me present the argument that Valve isn't going to release a headset because you know, if you want to build a wireless VR headset unless you want to use uncompressed 60 gigahertz transmitters like the Vive wireless adapter, which means strapping it onto your, or sorry, mounting it onto your wall and staying in direct line of sight, which means either transmitter or sorry, receivers on the front and back of the headset or on the top of your head. If you want to do it the traditional, not traditional, the, the current Quest or Pico or Vive XR Elite way where you're using regular Wi-Fi to send compressed images, there's not much advantage to building your own headset and take and putting all the investment it takes into that. And realistically, if you want to compete and get this thing out at scale, 
take, making either a tiny margin or no margin. When, as Valve has just shown, this can just be a software feature. Meta no longer competes with Steam on PC. The last Rift exclusive released in 2021. The Oculus PC app is essentially abandoned. There is no longer the threat to Steam that existed that caused Valve to need to push so heavy with its own first-party hardware and solutions. This gives Valve everything it wants. You put, you launch this app and you're in Steam VR. You're playing those games you purchase from Steam. What is the need for Valve to release its own hardware anymore when that means that they're going to have to constantly constantly try to keep up with every competitor that enters this space whereas as we're pointing out now otherwise this becomes an app you know there's no reason that steam link can't launch on pico there's no reason it can't launch on vive xr elite there's no reason that if track controllers do come to headsets like samsung and google's that it can't be there it's like it's the, the same question is you know why doesn't valve make gpus and cpus or, or pre-made pcs other than in the handheld space, because they don't need to, because that hardware ecosystem already exists, and Steam is software, and it has ridiculously high margins. You know, for the for the price of hosting and serving all of the games on Steam, they make absurd amounts of money. You know, Ian just said earlier that Valve is a small company, but it's actually financially huge. It is a multi-billion-dollar company that has one of the highest profit per employee figures in the on the planet. This is money printing machine and hardware is a very expensive risky venture the steam deck has proved that it's successful that sorry that valve is capable of doing this that it can do it but again i don't know if the steam deck as hardware is going to be making valve any sort of money it's it's more about bringing steam to um, a bigger audience of people beyond just people with a traditional gaming pc and the money that they're making i would almost you know i would strongly bet from Steam Deck is actually on the software sales that people purchase content after getting the Steam Deck rather than any significant margin on the hardware itself. The The problem is that if Valve, the, the, the argument for Valve building a headset would be to push fidelity, right? Which would, would be to use, you know, OLED micro displays and maybe wider field of view and kind of push an experience with higher resolution, say that it that isn't being delivered by a Quest 3. But that's not going to bring VR to a, a larger amount of people. That's not going to actually drive Steam to the, you know, VR on Steam to this millions of extra people. What might do that is the, is the opposite, is what companies like Meta are already doing. We talk a lot on this show about the rumored Quest 3 Lite that's coming out next year. You know, if that thing does arrive at $300 with controllers, then you now have a $300 headset with controllers, just like you have with Quest 2, except it has uh, you know, the ability to, to code higher bit rates. It potentially has Wi-Fi 6E for 6 gigahertz. The hardware, I do think it's a, a strong argument for Valve to release. And we've seen indications of this from some of the leaks and data mining from, uh, sadly, it's Bradley, the YouTuber, Brad Lynch, would be a dongle. A dongle that connects directly from your PC wirelessly to any headset that supports Steam Link rather than having to rely on your home Wi-Fi network where either you may be very far away from your router or you may have not be Ethernet connected to your router or you may just have a, you know, dozens of devices if you're in a, a family home with a, a lot of electronics that are using this same network. 
if Valve could release a 6 gigahertz Wi-Fi 6E dongle that integrates directly into Steam, so there's no fancy setup. You just plug it in, Steam pops up. Uh, you've just in, installed the Steam VR link adapter. Click here to enable it. You're done and you're good to go. That would even further reduce the friction and simplify Steam. So then Valve isn't having to build a headset at all still. All it has to do is give you this way to make sure that you have the highest quality experience with Steam VR. Ian has uh, disconnected for a while here, so I'm going to go through the comments. James O'Loughlin asks, if Valve only cared about bringing Steam to more customers, what did DEC solve that cheap laptops didn't do in this regard? I mean, the form factor, you know, the, the form factor of a handheld console is just a lot more appealing than a laptop for a certain category of games. Uh, you know, would you want to play, do you want to play Nintendo Switch games on the Switch handheld or a Switch Lite handheld, or do you want to play it emulated on your laptop? Maybe for some people it's a laptop, for a lot of people it's not. And I don't think you would actually get the consistency of performance and battery life in a typical $500 laptop than you would in a Steam Deck. In fact, you would very much so struggle to. The fact that it's consoleized and that you have Steam OS that's optimized for the, the custom APU, the fact that this is a 800p screen, it's not optimized for the kind of things 1080p or uh, 1440p laptop screens are, which is productivity, you know, having uh, Word documents and uh, Excel spreadsheets and, you know, PDFs open with a lot of text. This is optimized for gaming where Valve has specifically chosen a lower resolution so that it's much easier for that mobile chipset to mobile APU to pump out high, high frame rates in gaming. I think, you know, that that's a form factor thing. Scrolling through the comments here. Artful saying that Valve released Steam Deck to take money from the Switch. Yeah, you could argue there's some kind of overlap there. People that just want, uh, people who are, have a more nomadic life, uh, students at university who are moving between dorms and accommodations and coming back home that don't want to lug a gaming PC around. They're the kind of people who, or even a PlayStation 5 around, you know, they want a portable device. That's, that's, the Switch is huge in a market like that. That's something that obviously the Steam Deck is also, uh, pretty huge from. Uh, from some people bringing up the idea of Valve making a consoleized PC, so a, a my hand tracking went strange there, a five hundred dollar or so console that directly wirelessly connects to your Quest or Pico or other standalone headset, so that you don't even have to have the gaming PC. That's something that Valve was definitely exploring at some point. We know, but there's no indication or at least no strong indication now that Valve is actually working to productize that. You know, you do have this issue of um, th if it was only meant for VR, that would be a tiny market. I think it's a, a very open possibility for them to do that for just general living room PC gaming. So they do what Steam Deck did for handhelds. They do for TV gaming with your PC, something that obviously uh, would, would, would be great for Steam. I think that's something that could definitely happen eventually. Let's just scroll down the comments. Uh, not sure where Ian has gone. It's possible he had some sort of real life issue or maybe his headset died. So James O'Loughlin pointing out, like the Steam machine, it's important to point out that there was no Steam machine. In my opinion, Valve's huge flaw with that venture was that it was Steam machines. They had other companies build these consoleized PCs. And the problem when you get another company 
to build hardware is that that other company has to make their own margin on it. It's also, it's a big issue of why the HTC Vive could never get down to the pricing of the Rift. It's when Valve sells the Steam Deck or a potential Steam console for your living room, they can sell it at or near cost, just like Meta sells their Quest headsets at or near cost. And just like PlayStation and Xbox sell at or near cost because they can make the money up in software sales. It's a, a classic strategy that works very well for these kind of products. When, you know, Alienware and Dell and Asus were, were making these, they had to put in that hardware profit. If Valve did it, they could do it at a much lower cost. Okay, yeah, Ian, Ian's just left there. So we'll wrap up the show pretty soon. If anyone has any final questions or, or comments to make on here, uh, please do. Yeah, I guess the final thing I'll talk about is the experience of this. I, you know, I find this works from a latency and smoothness perspective. This works better than Airlink or Virtual Desktop for me. From a visual quality perspective, Virtual Desktop still wins out. So the issue, obviously, for a lot of people is Virtual Desktop is $20 and this is free. I expect... You know, as much as I, I love virtual desktop and I, I really respect the words, uh, the work of Guy Godin, the developer, I expect this is this Steam Link is going to become the dominant way for people to play PC VR content on their Quest. It the friction is just incredibly low. One of the things I love about it is that the setup and the connection is done as a pan app, a two D Android app, so you don't have to go all the way into immersive. When you were setting, when you're setting this up. If you have pass-through on in the background, obviously not in this screenshot, but if you had pass-through on in the background, you'll still see your room. And that means, for example, when you need to type the code into your PC to confirm pairing for the first time, which is only needs to be done for first-time setup, you can just, without taking the headset off, if you have Quest 3 with color, decently high-resolution pass-through, you can just directly use your PC. That's a really great solution. Uh, I love the fact that once it's set up, it's one click and you're straight into Steam VR. And it just works. It works. And it, the, the latency feels to me lower than either Airlink or Virtual Desktop, which is, is fascinating. I don't know how Valve's achieved that, though we do know that Valve's been working on wireless streaming for years now. They had obviously Steam Link, the, the hardware box, which I was hugely impressed with back in the day. I, I used to use it a lot before Valve stopped selling it and supporting it. If you had Ethernet from it to your router and from your router to your PC, it felt near native at times. Obviously, Steam Link is now an app for Apple TV and Android TV, et cetera, and that works great as well. So Valve has been doing a huge amount of research onto this. It'll be fascinating to see the big question, is this still going to be software or is Valve going to build dedicated hardware, a headset or a, a dongle or a console around this? What's clear is that Valve is taking VR seriously in, in some ways again, but it's just such an open question as to what their next step really is. Yeah, we'll just we'll wind this show down now uh, with the final questions. Guy Godin, the developer of Virtual Desktop, is in our comments saying that Valve uses heavy foveated encoding, reducing the quality of the edges by a lot. That's why it feels lower latency. Quality takes a hit at the edges as a result yeah uh, i i completely agree with that virtual desktop looks better but steam link feels smoother and lower latency and 
I mean, whether which one you prefer would probably depend on what kind of content you're using. But I have to say, I just much prefer Steam Link's smoothness and latency. Reutward is saying that they didn't notice the foveated encoding on the Quest Pro, and that's because it's eye-tracked on Quest Pro. And this is one of the really cool parts of Steam Link that we haven't covered. Uh, well, we covered in our article, but not in this show. So it uses foveated encoding. To be clear, that's not foveated rendering. Foveated rendering is where the application itself renders at a different resolution based on what you're looking at. This is foveated encoding, and that means that the actual video encoding done on the PC prioritizes what you are looking at via your Quest Pro's eye tracking. And so, as the commenter pointed out, you're not going to see the uh, lower encoding quality elsewhere because it's not what you're looking at at the moment. That means that, you know, Quest Pro is theoretically the ideal PC VR headset for this. There are, you know, if there are other ways to use also foveated rendering with Quest Pro, which you can Google upload VR foveated rendering Quest Pro for a link to some of those resources. Are, you know, a lot of people do argue today, even still, that because of these reasons, because of that eye tracking, Quest Pro is the ideal wireless PC VR headset. That is also an argument that Valve might make their own. You know, they if they want to deliver something that has, uh, you know, higher resolution than Quest Pro, but has eye tracking at a price between Quest 3 and Quest Pro, in many ways, it's a huge missed opportunity that Quest 3 doesn't have eye tracking. And this is another example of that. Go Green Gamon is asking about the U. Uh, Unreal Engine VR injector. We are very much so interested in checking that out soon. And once we do properly check that out, we will obviously discuss it in detail on this show. Wabo is saying that they wish VR outlets would talk about injectors more often. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a very controversial topic in many ways. It, it does allow you to play these triple-A games that are far beyond the scope and content of anything made to specifically for VR. But, you know, you have to be the kind of person who is fine with a lot of the rough edges. If you're a PC gamer who's very used to, you know, modding and changing INI files and just everything that, all of the jank that's involved in the brilliance of PC gaming, you're going to love that sort of thing. But, if you're the kind of consoleized gamer that just wants, after a long, hard day of work, to just put on the headset and have everything just work without the jank, that's probably not going to be the kind of thing for you. But yeah, we'll talk about that in more detail once we get to try it. But yes, as, as people are pointing out, please do check out the Upload VR Showcase tomorrow. There are going to be some very interesting announcements. You can see the time here, 10 a.m. Pacific time. That is 6 p.m. UK time. December 6th. So please do make sure to check that out. Thanks so much, everyone, for the show. Uh, let me just check for the final comments. Yes, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. We will see you next week. Thanks again for all the high-quality comments, questions, and input. Yeah, we'll see you next week.